Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due. Wow. Welcome to another edition of We're Talking Today, Mr. Cody Juno of, let's see, Raging Cajun Sideline Reporter, um, uh, as heard and seen on uh, 103.7 The Game and Stadium uh, with Mr. Kevin Foote. But what is your real job there? Is it, is it, I'm trying to, is it AD for hire or something like that? No. AD for hire. No, that's a good one. Uh, let's see if I could, you know, with, with the salaries reported. No, so my, my day job is um, I oversee the day-to-day operations of a website called collegead.com uh, that covers the news and information of intercollegiate athletics um, across the country, a lot of job movements. Uh, you know, I so I spend my days talking with, with folks across the uh, across this country who, uh, who make up this uh, the industry. Very good. Uh, it's and I I haven't been able to read everything. I see your tweets and everything. Obviously, uh, you're uh, it's behind a paywall, which at some point I really need to start paying and doing that. So, um, I know you put out a lot of good information from what I see in, in just the blurb. So, uh, let's talk some belt football first before we get into what I really had you here for is realignment to see what you know, what you can tell us, what's off the record that maybe you want to tell us. Uh, <laughs> we'll see if we got any. We'll see if we got any good things to share here. All right, let's go first. Um, uh, I'm trying to get my schedule up here. Sorry. Uh, App State, Georgia State. Does App State have a, a little bit, not of a hangover per se, but uh, yet a? I guess that the App State and Georgia State. Two things that that wonder me there is that one, if App State had played on Saturday. I can see a little letdown coming after the energy they uh, put into that game. But since they've got the 10 days, I think they're okay. And plus Georgia State, does that just demolish Georgia State or do they start playing better? No, well, so Georgia State, right? So I think the question, let, let's start there first. The question for me with the Panthers is so close at Auburn, right? Final score, I think it was a 10-point spread, but there was a pick six late, led for – I don't know. I think it was something like 58 minutes of that contest, like something yep. really, really silly and not be able to get the win, right. To come away after quite honestly, getting your face crushed, you know, early on in the season. Um, it's a team that I think in the preseason, a lot of us said, okay, quad Brown now a sophomore quarterback. You like some of the weapons that they have around. Um, and, you know, I remember talking to some folks at Georgia state and saying, you know, the, being, Blunt and Frank was, you guys learn how to win. You're going to be a scary bunch. Well, again, demolished by Army to open up the season, you know, go and, and really shock folks by keeping it close against Auburn, but hadn't really played well up until that point in time. And so for me, I just don't know who Georgia State is. I know who App State is. They're the yeah. best team in the East. Yeah, I said it, right? They're the best team in the East. Uh, Thomas Hannigan, you know, Corey Sutton on the outside, Got a new running back in there, but the quarterback to transfer Chase Bryce, he's playing at a level that's got them rolling. Um, so I know I like App State here in this contest. Uh, I know that it's in Atlanta, or, or yeah, it's in Atlanta. 
So that'll be a, you know, a little bit more difficult task for App, but, but I like the Mountaineers here. So probably about 2,500 uh, App State fans and about 2,500 Georgia State fans. And one loud-ass train horn. Yeah. <laughs> the most obnoxious thing I have heard since Although I've been doing Although that this. damn, you know, cannon this weekend at Georgia, uh, Georgia Southern. Oh, that's something else. Yeah, if you, I remember that too now that you say that. I've, I've missed the trip, so. All right, so um, ULM against at Coastal Carolina is ULM for real after that defeat, uh, crushing defeat to Troy. <laughs> uh, I mean, for real, and like they're not dead. Yeah, they are. They're alive. They have a pulse. Uh, that's clear <laughs> after um, after Saturday's victory. You know, I, I think it was twenty to twelve going into uh, Troy's looking to score, make it you know a really close ball game. You get a ninety-six yard pick six my understanding is the ball was kind of batted in the air and just kind of fell to the guy and off to the races he went but let's give the Warhawks some credit there uh, for finding a way to get it done um, will it happen this week absolutely not you know I think you look at it and Troy has South Carolina on the schedule this week and you look at where South Carolina is as a program first year head coach and Shane Beamer and talking to somebody at Troy this week yeah they were most definitely looking ahead because you know what? That's a game that they can still win, by the way, this yeah. week, right? Despite the, the setback last week at Monroe. But there's no doubt in my mind that they had that game circled, totally overlooked ULM. You go in, you turn the ball over, you get beat. It's it's what happens. I think it and what it does too is it gives a message to the rest of the league. I, I said this with, with you know Kevin Foote earlier that it sends a message to the rest of the league that if you didn't know anybody could beat anybody on any given Saturday or Tuesday or Thursday or, you know, pick any day that ends in Y, right? Yep. Now you do. Now you understand that. So I think teams around the league will have their head maybe on a swivel a bit more. I, I think it's good if the bot- bottom teams – I'm not I'm, – I don't want to lose to any of them, don't get me wrong, but if the whole league gets better, and I think we, we kind of saw that a little bit in the out-of-conference play, in my opinion – and I agree with you. I think Troy has an opportunity there at South Carolina because South Carolina is not a very good ball club right now. But no, again, out, outclassed in the SEC, they will be all season. Uh, you know, they go into East Carolina, who's not a very good club themselves. They barely escaped with with a victory. Um, you know, it's, it's an ECU club that uh, App, excuse me, handled in, in the opening week. So I think there's there was definitely a thought of looking ahead. And you know what? That jumped up and bit them. Yeah, it, it sure did. And uh, but you know, ULM they they don't have a lot of a winning on their uh, their history the last couple of years. So very excited for our for our, my our friend up there, Nick White. Uh, I know he uh, he went through a lot last year. So yeah, like never having a lead ever. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to bring that up. Not this one is second. only like the fifth podcast I've talked about this. Well, I mean, what, I mean, to your point of struggling through an entire year, yeah. can you imagine going through an entire year and not having the lead for a single second? Cody, I think I would have said I had COVID, so I didn't have to go on some of those trips. <laughs> but There's no doubt. There's no doubt. All right, the final game before we get to the Cajuns in South Alabama, Arkansas State at Georgia Southern. Now, our buddy Kevin Foote has a theory that if you want to win a game – a couple of games or something like you fire, fire your coach, your coach or fire your right. manager. Does does that work for Georgia Southern? You know, 
this is an interesting contest because I still don't know that we know who Arkansas State is, right? They are in a first-year head coach with Butch Jones taking over for Blake Anderson. It's a club that uh, over the course of the last three years has grossly underachieved, and I think there's no doubt that change is probably needed on, on both ends, right? We know the story of Blake Anderson and all the personal stuff and everything that they've been through. And, and, and so I think a, a refreshing change, change of scenery was good on both parties. And so Butch Jones is, is hired and, um, you know, Butch has had success at Central Michigan. He had success at Cincinnati. He had some success at Tennessee, right? Uh, and then things eventually kind of fell off the, uh, the rail. And, you know, he found himself in Oakland Nick's halfway house. Uh, for a season or two, redeemed himself, you know, got healed up, and now he's back uh, as a head coach again, this time leading the, uh, the, the Red Wolves. So I say that to say I don't really know who Arkansas State is, right? They're using the tool quarterback system, Lane Hatcher and James Blackman transfer from Florida State. They still like to throw the football all over the yard. I think defense is still very much an optional uh, part of the, the unit up in Jonesboro for right now. George Southern, on the other hand, I think you saw Saturday, there are flashes of some really good stuff, but there's still a lot of things and a lot of injuries that they're, that they're dealing with. Uh, I think what's going to be really, really interesting to watch now this game's in Statesboro, but what's going to be really interesting to watch is how does a team come out and play for the interim coach, because despite things not going in the right direction, the sense I get coming out of there is that a lot of the guys that make up this current roster, right, the current players, were still very much on board with Chad Lunsford. Now, I think there are a lot of things you can examine looking at the outside of the program, and, and, and you can certainly say that things were not headed in the right direction uh, and that maybe there was noise around the program, right? It's something that Jared Binko, the athletic director there, mentioned in his press conference on, on Monday, I believe, was, you know, taking the word and listening to the alum and the former players and really kind of balancing that. So I'm going to just see how, how the current team comes out and plays, considering I think that they probably would still rather have Chad Lunsford leading them than anyone else. I agree with you there, and I really think it's one of those things that if it wasn't for the, the pregame incident, I think the team played it well enough to keep Chad his job. But unfortunately, the things that surrounded it off the field, he lost his job. Um, and also, when you got a new AD, he's been there, what, six months, something like that? Uh, yeah, well, over a year. So he, okay. he uh, April, you know, April of 20, yeah. So, no, and I'm not throwing discouragement dispersions at him but anytime a new ad comes in if you're not playing well if you're not if you're not coaching well he's gonna look for his guy he didn't hire you that's exactly, exactly it right he didn't hire you so uh it is what it is at this point and there's not much we, we can really say about it uh I, I i the problem is that arkansas state has always had an offense that could score no matter where they were they always had that receiver uh running back or, or two in a quarterback but to me, this year, they don't have any – they used to have defensive lines and they used to have defensive backs. It was these guys that were receivers that couldn't play – that couldn't catch the ball, so they stuck them at defensive back. And they played They played, They played. played well enough to keep them in the ballgame. It doesn't seem to be that – like they have any defense this year. Yeah, it, I think the first point, right, it's the trenches. It's, you know, you think back 
Uh, and they'd have those defensive ends just come screaming up the field, right? They could always pressure you with four-man rush, which then helped out the backside, right? Helped it out tremendously. Well, over the last, you know, two seasons or so, defense has kind of gone by the wayside there for our friends in Jonesboro. And uh, we'll see what, what Butch and company can do to, to get that back. You know, you talk about a really weird situation and the fact that um, Tom Bowen, who's the athletic director now at Arkansas State, did not hire Butch Jones. Both yes. of those guys are in their first years, right? So uh, Butch was one of Terry Mahajer's last acts before becoming a, a Big 12 AD, which is, I know, something that we're going to talk about here in, yep. in a little bit, but before leaving for uh, Central Florida. Um, so, it, again, interesting dynamics up and down the uh, the league. You know, I'll say this. I think coming into the league, coming into the season, excuse me, we circled two jobs that we're going to keep an eye on, right? One of those, we we have the answer. One of those is Georgia Southern, and the other one is Troy, and I think the jury's still very much out on, on Chip Lindsey, um, and depending on how the rest of this season goes, you know, uh, I, I think things if things snowball, I think you could get another early uh, call to the showers. Yeah, I, I think if yeah, I agree with you totally there. Uh, I'm not sure it'll be after the South Carolina game because I really think they have an opportunity to win there. But we'll see. Um, uh, final game, Cajuns in South Alabama. Am I wrong to be a little nervous about this game? No. In more ways than one? I mean, no, because no. injuries are starting to, to start rear their ugly head for the Cajuns. Yeah, you know, we got the depth chart tonight, and the thing that pops out to me is Kenny Amadeus. But then the other thing, uh, when you talk about the, the Cajuns' depth chart, is the, the injuries along the offensive front. And we know that Carlos Rubio went down uh, last week in the game at Georgia Southern. He's going to be out for, I think, in all probability, a, a good majority of the season. Don't know exactly you know, how long he will be out. And so that causes some, obviously, changes up and down that line. But the other thing that struck me when looking at just the injury report tonight, Jax Harrington, he missed last week, right? He's normally been your sixth man, your kind of swing guy. Logan Newell, another reserve offensive lineman, he's down. Luke Junkick, another reserve offensive lineman, he's down. Tyler Brown, a guy that the Cajuns uh, out of Chalmette, or excuse me, out of Mississippi, were kind of really high on a project they were developing. He's out. He's who's expected to maybe see some playing time as, as well. So, um, you know, injuries up and down that entire offensive of line unit. And so I think there's there's clear cause for concern. I think the other part of it is you look at, quite frankly, where the Cajuns have struggled, and it's no secret, it's, it's third downs. And yet where South Alabama has excelled on the defensive side of the football, allowing just 19% uh, conversions on third downs and, and you know that's number one in America right yeah. so uh, I, plenty of areas for concern uh, but I think also maybe some opportunity right okay we've seen the Cajun defense kind of get gashed but but I I look at the end result of points and not necessarily yards right and I think that that's all that matters and 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 so and I think that they've played well a majority of the season right some of their lapses tend to happen either very early on or towards the end of the game when maybe they're a little bit gassed because they've been on the field because of the lack of those drives and in, in, in third down conversions by the Louisiana offense. Um, but I think this is an opportunity, and, and Kevin brought it up, and I think it's a great point, where it's going to be the first time the quarterback's not really going to be involved in the run game. Uh, and so how does the defense handle that aspect, right, going 11 on 10 instead of 11 on, on 11 you know, basically eliminating the quarterback out of the run game. 
Um, Cajuns, though, offensively, again, we know about the offensive line and the woes. They've started to run the ball a little bit better. I want to see more consistency there. But the Cajuns, in my opinion, have actually done a fairly good job of throwing the ball around the yard. Now, there needs to be more consistency, right? And, and, and if you'll notice, I've used that word a whole lot. Um, you know, it, the C word for the Cajuns is consistency. And to this point, four weeks in, the only thing that's been consistent about the Cajuns is their inconsistencies, right? Drop pass here, bust of protection there, bad read, you know, bad ball, low, high, whatever it may be, missed tackle, missed assignment, and all of a sudden uh, opponents have been able to take advantage of that. So I think we're, we're looking for out of the Cajuns, and, and you hear Billy Napier talk about it all the time, right? The small things, the little things, the correctable things. You see it on film. Well, at some point in time, those small things have to be, and those correctable things, you got to get there, right? Uh, and, and so I, I look at this as an opportunity on the defense side of the ball, not expecting Jake Bentley, the transfer from South Carolina, to really run. So to really hone in, right, kind of take that out, see how you match up. You know, the thing that surprises me with looking at the numbers with Jake Bentley and, and especially Jalen Tolbert, right, the big receiver outside, is they've only Jake's only thrown for two touchdown passes. The yep. offense is not humming for South Alabama. Uh, most of their wins have been close. You take that opener, the 31-7 to victory over uh, Southern Miss. Uh, I think the, the Eagles had three turnovers, if I'm not mistaken, in that game. So, you know, it's credit the South out defense, right? But set up some really short fields. But then, you know, outside of that, the offense has not been able to separate, right? Very close game at Bowling Green, which all of a sudden is turning out to look like a fantastic win following, uh, you know, the Falcons win over Minnesota last week. And then a game in which they, they gave the ball away four times, um, you know, probably no doubt slept walk through it, looking forward to first a bye week and then the Cajuns, right? So could they really been looking two weeks ahead in the 28-21 victory uh, over Alcorn State two weeks ago? So uh, for me, right, the alarming thing is going to be is if, if this South Al's offense is able to come out and just light up the scoreboard, right? That's going to be the, the shocking and, and, you know, start pounding the alarm then. Conversely, look, anytime these two teams have gotten together over the last five years, it, I know the record says it, right? And when you stop and think about it, it makes sense. But I still have a hard time believing that the Cajuns have won five consecutive against the Jags just because of how traditionally these two teams play each other so close, right? Yep. Last year was really the, the coming out party for the Cajuns. Uh, you go back to that game at, at, at Cajun Field, it was a, it was a thorough butt whooping uh, that Louisiana put on South Alabama. But that has been more the exception than the rule uh, when these two teams have gotten together. So long-winded is saying, yeah, be concerned. But I'm confident in Billy Napier, the preparation. They hear all of the noise, and I'm confident in that, right? They hear everything that's going on. They know what's going on. Uh, and, and so it wouldn't surprise me, right, if it just comes out to be one of those kind of statement-type games. Uh, so we'll see how it turns out that um, – you know, I mean, what's kickoff? Midnight, I think, Saturday, something yeah, like that? Yeah, it's late. Yeah, uh, it's a late one. 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Three things that stand out there for me on, on the game is, one, um, the Cajuns had never won at South Alabama until B Billy Napier got here. It had been the home team going back and forth at the beginning. And then now uh, the the uh, the Alcorn State game that you brought up, I know – one of the turn, turnovers was returned for a touchdown. The second one on the play was returned for a touchdown. The other one they scored after that. So they gave him, they gave him a short field. That's why the game was close. But, uh, but to your point, 
in the first game, even though they trounced Southern Miss, I think they averaged less than a yard per carry. They only carried the ball 30 times and had like 28, 28 yards. So uh, I think I think you're going to put a lot on the quarterback there, and we'll see what happens. I agree. The third thing, which Jay's talked about on a couple times, is that Billy Napier puts the emphasis on the Western Conference games. He counts those as double. Cajun Since Billy Napier's been one. here. Cajuns what? have never – is, is yeah. that not crazy or what? The Cajuns yeah. have not lost a Western Division game. Now, again, it's, you know, Billy Napier is whatever in 12 in his tenure, and seven of those losses came in year number one, right? So put yeah. that in perspective as as what how good the Cajuns have been the last um, – And honestly, you know, inherited seasons, a team that right? wasn't very good. Oh, well, look, they'll tell you, right? Uh, they came in here in 2018. That was year one on offense, and it was year zero on defense, right? And, and so you look at where this defense has come from there. Um, you know, it's it's yeah, seven losses in, in that first season uh, and have combined for six since then. So that's pretty doggone impressive. Well, I think it was one of those things that the way HUD recruited and fed his players that he was more looking for a Big Ten game than he was a, a Southeastern Conference game. It was more about weight and size trying to push people around versus speed and speed and size now and strength speed and size in the sec right like all of the above yeah so well good deal cody let's take our first break right now or hopefully our only break and we'll come back and we're going to talk conference realignment we're we're talking with cody juno tonight craig malonson here on we're talking we'll be right back after this short message welcome back to another episode of we're talking oh well not another episode continuing episode of we're talking with cody juno from damn it i i gotta write this down man i say that every time i interview somebody it's uh ad direct no i'm sorry <laughs> how to hire ad hire uh, ad's iron uh, ad's dot org dot org yeah um all right one more time where where can we find you it's college ad.com college ad i am going to write it's, that it's down. incredibly easy and yet somehow you keep just destroying it it might be because i am drinking a little wild turkey 101 say, rye. Knock back another bourbon my friend so what, what do you drink then now you had to go get a beer because you saw me drinking yeah so but then i opted for a glass of red here um so got, got a little glass of red here you know i had our friend doug domang um Walk me through over the phone where to go and what to get in total wine. And the man knew it better than the back of his hand, which you're not amazed by that. I'm not oh. amazed by that, but it's amazing in itself, right? No. And, and, you know, that's one of the things we need to have Doug on here to have a wine podcast because the man, I'm seriously, I, I know he's missing his roomie on the road probably, uh, but we're not going to go he's there. Surviving. He's surviving. We'll back rub every now and then. Yeah. So, all right, Cody. All right. So, collegead.com. Uh, no, it's .com, right? Yes. It, okay. Uh, it is. Right. Write it down, Craig. Visit I know, the website. but Art's over here yelling at me. And uh, this episode is uh, sponsored by Acadiana Religious Store, which is in the uh, college, South College Shopping Center across from Marcello's and then uh, where the old Lafayette Lanes was, which hopefully they'll have a new tenant in there for the Landry's. So uh, Katie Anna Religious Four, for all your needs, whether it's graduation, whether it's a first communion 
or a baptism. Acadiana Religious Store is where you'll find all your needs. So, all right. So, the reason we had you on tonight was to talk and hopefully give us some inside scoop that you're not supposed to tell anybody else, but you're going to give it to us first, which I know is not going to happen, but I'm going to ask you anyway. So I'm hearing lots of things. The main thing I'm focusing on is the Sunbelt Conference here. We know what's going on with the Big 12. They've already did their invite and everything. Before we go to the Sunbelt Conference, so let me ask you, do you think Memphis gets an invite as well? Uh, to where? To the Big, to 12. The Big 12. Well, so, yeah, so let's, I guess, set the table here, right? So... After the Big 12, right, you go back to actually it was at Sunbelt Conference Media Days, right? It, remember, it was the yeah. Wednesday in which kind of uh, the, the world of college athletics kind of cratered and crashed, you know, theoretically, as, as we knew it, when word broke that Texas and Oklahoma were leaving the Big 12 uh, to join the SEC. Um, and, and so they're still figuring out how much cash they're going to sit on. And once that all gets settled, they'll, they'll leave. Well, since then, the Big 12, I think, actually moved much quicker in, in, in reality that kind of really many folks including myself thought and they go out and they add four so they take BYU out of the West Coast Conference and independent football um, and then add three from the American right Houston Cincinnati and UCF and, and so now the question is what does the American do and I know you said you're focused on the Sun Belt right right but we can't truly answer what's going to happen with the Sun Belt or the Mountain West until Mike Caresco and his league act. Uh, as I had one group of five AD uh, tell me a couple weeks ago, and we wrote it, nobody believes he has four aces, he being Mike Caresco, four aces being being the ability to hold on to that $7 million contract, right? That $7 million television contract. But everybody has to play the game just in case he does indeed have four aces, meaning somebody can't accept an invite right whether it's it you know pick any any school in america that you want can't accept an invite to the conference to conference usa the Sun Belt, the mountain west you know uh billy bob and craig's recreational league until the american acts first so we're in a waiting pattern we're in a holding pattern now to your question about memphis could they be in the Big 12 the next time around? I find it hard to believe. Um, and so what is the next time around? We don't really know that, right? We, there is a, a strong belief that the Big 12 will add again. The question is when, and I think the timetable more likely is years, not months. What about the Pac-12? Do you see them rating, rating a team or two from the Big 12, though? Well, so the thing you have to ask yourself is, you know, I think the Big 12's done a really good job and credit Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner there, for holding things together, right? I look at this, a lot of this realignment stuff, not through television markets, but through branding and, and the television revenue that's available through that avenue. So what I mean by that is when you look at the Pac-12, uh, of course, Pac-12 joined this alliance, right, which is yeah. a made-up thought. Um, that talks about, you know, 41 institutions, 41 like-minded institutions. So the Pac-12 is going to be really careful about, quote, adding anyone. I don't know who truly brings value to the Big 12 when we start talking television dollars, right? It's something that maybe we can talk about a little bit with the Sun Belt um, here. But so who's going to add television dollars, right? Because everybody ultimately is chasing the SEC and the Big 10 when it comes to television 
dollars, right? Yeah. Right now, the SEC and the Big Ten are outpacing everyone. They're in the mid fifties as far as yearly distributions. Well, by the time this is all said done, uh, you know, if the SEC is pulling in 70, 80, 90 million dollars a year per school, right? It's not going to be that surprising. Take that for the ACC and the Pac 12. They currently find themselves at, you know, in, in the mid thirties on a good year so there's as big a gap as is between the power five and the group of five that same size gap theoretically exists outside of the sec big 10 and everybody else um and and so to answer your question is who does the pac-12 add i don't just don't know that there's anybody that truly adds value byu that's going to bring them more dollars bring them more dollars without having to divide by more teams. So the question is, right, if, you know, I tell you you get 12 coins, right, and right now we have 12 teams, every team gets a coin. But if I tell you you get 12 coins, why would you bring a 13th team in? I I understand that, and I'm going to get to something a little bit later when we talk Sunbelt Conference, because I don't think it's relevant to the other schools in the, in the power five conferences at least. But I think at the same time, if I'm the ACC, I'm looking at Cincinnati. They're not that far from Louisville. It's a two hour drive. And I know it's, I know that's not as important. Uh, but at the same time, if I'm the PAC 12 or I'm the, if I'm the PAC 12, if I continue to go East, you know, that's fine for football. But when you get into your volleyball, your baseball, your softball, that's a big expense to keep coming to Texas Tech or to and, and if your television dollars aren't rising, right, right, that's all the more reason why regional makes sense. You know, I think when it's all said and done, especially at the Group of Five level, we're going to find ourselves where we were thirty years ago: regional conferences. And I've I, I have no problem with that as long as it's, and I hate to say the right regional conference because I, I mean I, I still think we can be somewhat regional. With, with, with App State and Coastal Carolina, you know, I think that's still, it's not a bad. But your region has grown quite a bit, yeah. but your, your point is taken because of what those two bring for you on the football field. It outweighs any other, uh, shall we say, risk to, 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 to sum it up. So let's move on to the Sun Belt because that's what I really, uh, I'm, First of all, I think if the I, I think it's fairly well known that um, uh, UTA and UA Arkansas Little, Little Rock, Rock. Yep. are both probably trying to jump to the the Missouri Valley. I don't think they're going to be forced out of the Sun Belt necessarily, well, but I, I think they, they I think they could be nudged. Um, but to your point, I think at the end of the day the two basketball-only programs will find their find themselves new homes. I, I would concur with that. Well, I, I think part of it is, and talking to my friends at uh, UTA, is that they know they're not getting any of the TV money for football. Right. So UTA's already publicly gone out on record and, and announced they hired someone, right, to look at this for them. Uh, they've, they've hired a consultant to do some work, try to find them a home. To your point, I think the Missouri Valley probably – makes the most sense there's been a lot of movement already at that fcs one triple a so non-football uh yep. playing member level and, and and so i think we'll continue to see that 
um, you know, when, when you, you know, because there's large questions about right here in our own backyard, what happens to the Southland Conference uh, moving forward. And so there's a lot of moving, moving parts and pieces there. But, but I think you know, the Sunbelt has made a decision to focus on football. And I think it's the right decision, right? I agree. And, and so that means that, yeah, the reality is Little Rock and Arlington don't really fit into those plans. And they also, quite frankly, you talk about regions, right? They are in, in, in you know, Arkansas State is there, I understand, right? Yeah. And Texas State is there, I understand. But it's not like you're plucking two teams from the middle of the conference. You're plucking, you're not or, take, you know, yeah, you're not taking teams that South that are on the, on, on the outsides yeah. uh, of the map when you look at it. Well, you know, the, the thing for me with it all is that, I, uh, and I know this is uh, big dreams and all that, is I would love to pluck enough Conference USA schools between uh, between the American and the Sun Belt to where that Conference USA now is going after teams like Magnese and let Louisiana Tech play Magnese every year. Let's see how that separation is doing for them. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think it's fascinating to try to figure out what's going to happen with Conference USA, right? Because in the doomsday scenario, um, you could make the argument where they theoretically you could add it up and lose eight teams, right? If 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 things drastically fall apart for the American, where it's pretty much believed that uh, Colorado State and Air Force are going to find their way to the AAC, yeah. But let's say there's a last second hiccup and that doesn't happen, and so then all of a sudden the Americans forced to turn to, I think, in all likelihood, four Conference USA members. I think when we talk about the Sun Belt, the two most common teams associated with the league and or Conference USA members, right? And then the question is, okay, well, what does the Mountain West want to do? So that's theoretically six right there. Should the Mountain West opt to go in and get aggressive? All of a sudden, potentially, there could be eight. And I think that's a very worst-case scenario for Conference USA where they could lose eight members. And then you're left with six members that goes from El Paso, Texas, as a stop in Ruston, Louisiana, before making its way to Norfolk, Virginia, right? And so then it becomes really, really interesting. Oh, and by the way, you go down to Miami, Florida to gobble up FIU, right? So, like, I mean, yeah. you were just completely crisscrossing the country. I think what's interesting is what happens to Conference USA. And so I asked somebody in Conference USA this couple weeks ago, could we see the league fall apart? And the response I got was, I guess, theoretically, but keep this in mind, it's kind of ace in the hole that they have. They hold an FBS membership card. And, and so the thought is that that can potentially save them. Now, I would tell you this, too, that there's also the thought that the WAC previously held an FBS membership card. And the WAC would love nothing more than to be playing FBS football again, not and FCS six. football and they like braided they, a bunch of Southland Conference teams. Correct. And, and so, uh, you know, it, could you get in this wild scenario where you have the whack kind of gobbling up Conference USA? And theoretically, you know, I think at that point, schools like Old Dominion would probably go independent, you know. Um, but could you have something where you have, you know, Tech and UTEP and potentially Rice and, and, and whatnot, you know, in the same league as New Mexico State and, um, you know, Dixie State. It's a, it, it's quite an interesting um, you know, problem when you kind of wrap your head around it. So I, I think the thought is, is Conference USA has the option and probably will be the biggest loser out of all of this, right? Uh, 
to, to what degree I think that remains to be determined. And that kind of circles back to the first point is that we'll know once the American moves. Let me ask you this. All right. So now we're going to move into the Sun Belt because are, are you hearing the rumors? And I'm hearing that they're, they're pretty strong, quite honestly, that Southern Miss is a done deal coming to the, coming to, uh, the Sun Belt. And I'm also hearing that Marshall is probably 80 to 85% a done deal. Are you hearing anything like that? I guess. I mean, those are the names that are, that those are the names that, that make the most sense and that are mentioned the most amongst folks I'm talking to when it comes to the Sunbelt conference, right? They're still very much evaluating things. You know, if for whatever reason UAB is there, it's something that you're going to, to look at, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I want to ask you about that in a second. We'll talk okay. about UAB. But, but no, I think, right. If you had to, to put it down to me right now, I'm, you know, you can almost write the headline today, right? Southern Miss joins the Sunbelt Conference, right? I think that is, is 100% because the reality is Southern Miss, they understand that Conference USA is no longer a viable option. They understand by the metrics, um, you know, that the Sunbelt Conference has passed up Conference USA. They understand by the money, by the television deal, right? Extended through 2031 with, with ESPN, uh, as opposed to a piecemeal, you know, really, I think six carrier type system that, that the American or the Conference USA, excuse me, is employing um, regionally, it makes a lot of sense, right? The ability to travel to Mobile, to travel to Lafayette, to travel to Troy, um, the ability to, you know, potentially maybe make up any lost revenue from a television market size uh, or yeah, television deal size by the fact that I can host now maybe one to two extra home games a year, depending on what the conference schedule looks like and pick up maybe an additional 6,000 tickets because fans, you know, 3,000 fans from Troy make the trip, 3,000 fans from Louisiana make the trip. And all of a sudden I'm sitting here with, you know, uh, you know, whatever the math works out to be $25 a ticket times 3,000, right? You're quicker on your feet with, with numbers than I am. The ability to seventy-five thousand dollars per game, right? So the ability to have that kind of cash, and all of a sudden, if you were able to do that six times, I think that's a stretch. But if you're able to do that six yeah. times, it's a million bucks, right? Like, so I think there's the thought that there is some real money to potentially be made through that revenue. I'm not quite there, right? Sold on, on that part, but Southern Miss 100% makes the most sense. Marshall, I think, for what it brings to you from a football league, it gives you something to the Carolinas. It's no more difficult for uh, a football team to get up there than it is to get to either Conway or Boone. Uh, so that makes sense. I, I think, you know, you're going to fly into Pittsburgh, right? I, Not I necessarily. You, you can fly into uh, Charleston. Well, I'm thinking more of uh, everything else outside of football, right? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, the, there are region there you know there's enough there's larger airports there so it's doable uh it, it certainly pushes you to, to the limit um and the question is though do they bring you any additional tv money and i don't really think they do so that's why i think you can push the basketballs out um you're not going to split some money with them you're, you're, you are giving them a very minuscule amount so you'll save that you'll probably lose about a hundred thousand dollars per institution that you bring in that i think is the interesting figure Yes, I, I agree with you there to the extent of that. But when you start looking at travel outside of football, I think you could, that $100,000 can be easily made up, especially as you and I talked to about uh, a month or two ago, talking about pod system, where you broke the conference up and you played 
you know, whether it be basketball or volleyball, you split yeah, the Yeah, there are up creative and... ways of scheduling. There's no doubt to get around that. Um, so, no, I mean, you know, it's funny. The, uh, the Louisiana basketball schedule came out today. Yeah. And uh, did you notice who's on it? Uh, Both Southern Miss and Marshall are on the yeah. schedule this year. So, uh, you know, maybe a potential uh, future Sunbelt Conference freaking right there. You know, Marshall is part of the MTE. We head to uh, we we head to Indiana right after the Liberty game. Jay and I will be driving to Indiana to uh, do that game, or I should say, I will drive Jay to that game, and then Jay will do the game, and then we'll drive to Marshall. Uh, Jay will do the game, and then I will then we'll both fly back on that Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So that was part of the MTE. I'm not sure. I forgot if we actually got a, a game out of that coming back to us it should have been but we'll see we all but we normally so, get started. no i did i did chuckle at that when seeing yeah. the basketball schedule release and then having those two institutions um, on there but no i think quite frankly are, uh, southern miss is a team we should have been playing every year yes it's it's a team that uh you know much like our our, our friends in ruston right yeah uh, saw saw greener pastures on the other side of the fence and um you know thankfully for them not as arrogantly right and, yep. and so, um, you know, they haven't burned all of the bridges, right? So they can still, and retreating is the wrong word, but they can still cross the bridge to, get to the to the Sun Belt side. Now, are you hearing anything about Western Kentucky to the Sun Belt? Because I think they burned a lot of bridges, but I don't know the ADs and the presidents that if they're still around with that conversation. Because quite frankly, I'd rather have Mendel, Tennessee, and go into and, and spend the night in Nashville than I would Western Kentucky. Except Western well, Kentucky can, you, is you Kentucky. You can spend the night in Nashville for both of those, but, um, but Western Kentucky is still in Kentucky, and it's got a lot of good bourbon. So, I, and I know you, I know you're you're torn there. You don't know not much chatter about you know Middle and Western, right? So I think that those are the two programs, uh, along with Old Dominion, Louisiana Tech, potentially Rice, FIU, and. And UTEP that stand to lose the most out of all of this, right? Those are the six that that would, you know, potentially say, you know, we're not now. You know, I, you know, as it as it happens, right? Western Kentucky, I think, till the very last minute, said, "No, we're with you, son." Yeah. And then all of a sudden, got a call and they left. And and so I get the I get both sides of the coin, right? You want some loyalty one way, on the other side, you've got to at the end of the day look out for number one, right? You look out for yourself, and 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 so. Um, I, I think potentially they would become in play if Marshall were to opt and say, no, we're good. We're going to hang out here in, in, in conference USA, but no, I do not think that they're a, uh, a top line target at all. Now let's talk about UTSA because I really think that's, uh, I, and to me, this is a dream. I know that probably, but UTSA coming in, can you imagine the basketball team or the baseball t or not baseball? Uh, not even if, softball, but the basketball, basketball team. There. Let's say they say basketball. Thursday night you're playing at UTSA. Great job. Then you got a 50 mile ride up the road to play uh, te Texas State on Saturday. I mean, talk about a relaxing trip and an easy trip for both teams. You know, it's one of those that, to me, I am courting UTSA all over the place, man. So I because think I think you, they'd be better off in ours than they would be uh, the Mountain West or wherever else the, the, the conversation comes. But so I, I greedy. No, it, well, so you're looking at things, I think, through your vermilion glasses. Oh, right? I am. 
No and, doubt. And, and so um, you're buying UTSA stock, right? You're buying it very, very low. Uh, just look at what they've done, you know, where football came from. We know how well they played against the Cajuns in the bowl game. They're, I believe, 4-0 coming off of a big win um, the, this past week, right, at Memphis, 4-0 undefeated and heading in the right direction. They just opened up a brand-new $40 million equivalent to the Mosing uh, Student Athlete Performance Center that the Cajuns have. However, outside of that, they don't own their own football facility. No, and it's basketball, 15, baseball, 15, and softball facilities – you know, I think there are better rec and high school facilities here locally than, than those facilities. Um, yes, travel is great for the Cajuns. It sucks for everybody else that's in the Sunbelt Conference. Well, and, not and really, so, because if they're, if they're flying into San Antonio, it's an easy trip back and forth, whether they're flying into San Antonio or Austin. Right, but when you start adding budgets, you're not going to, right, if you can get away on the 8-hour, 10-hour radius, some more teams are going to take buses than not, right? When, when we talk volleyballs and soccers and yeah, softballs. True. And, and, and so that's where your costs, right, truly start start but, to add up. So, But is it any, I, really any difference in going out to Coastal Carolina and, 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 and App State? It, it's, it's not, no. But I, I think the thought is, can we stay more centralized, right? Okay. Like, and so this, I'm a tad bit shocked by this too, but no, there doesn't seem to be much push from folks within the league that I've talked to, to actually go West. Okay. Um, almost Fair enough. to the sense of like, yeah, Texas state, sorry, you know, you're on your own, figure it out type deal, right? Like it, it's almost kind of, that is the vibe that at least I'm getting from the people that I'm talking to. Um, oh, and that's why I have you on. I mean, I don't want to give you my opinion on everything. I, I want to know what, what you're hearing. And, so and, and I, so, I appreciate yeah, that. There's, I think there's been some, I don't know the hesitancy is the right word, but I, I think there's a lot of focus on staying in the middle of the, the Sunbelt's footprint as opposed to the fringe. Um, I don't think North Texas is particularly interested in joining the Sunbelt Conference. Um, so you can kind of scratch them off as well. And so all of a sudden, you look at it and you say, okay, well, then there aren't really any options out West, right? If, if we don't want to go to San Antonio, who I think makes a ton of sense in everything that you just laid out. But when you start looking at it through the perspective of other members, you know, whether it's the Georgia schools or whether it's, you know, the schools in Alabama, right? Um, they, and obviously, the, the, you know, the coastal schools, um, it becomes easier to get to Marshall and Southern Miss, for example, for those folks Right. And for the Cajuns, right, then getting all the way out to San Antonio or Denton um, and, and currently San Marcos. You know, and that's that's the thing where I see that if, if there's not uh, – if UTA leaves and there's not someone out there, whether it be Rice or UTSA, I can see uh, if, if, if the WAC truly does get that FBS level with all those teams that transferred into the WAC, I can see that a possibility of Texas State landing there. But at the same time, quite honestly, they're still getting money, more money from the Sun Belt than they are from, I, I believe, from that WAC conference. Yeah, well, no, no. I mean, look, Texas State is not going to look to go anywhere, right? They, you know, they are them. Texas State and ULM are currently just, you know, they're in the corner, their mouths are shut, right? And they're just going to go along with whatever the party is because, um, you know, whether they're the underage, kid, the underage kids that snuck in. No, uh, as a metaphor, right? You know, they're yep. just happy to be here at this point in time, and and 
And so there, I don't think are going to raise a fuss or a stink or, or really go anywhere because, you know, Texas state, I think would be highly coveted because of the potential of that, that, that job in that campus. Um, but no, I mean, if, if ULM would or were to start, you know, piping up, I mean, where are they going to go? The Southland, right? Like yeah. It's, it's so it's, um, well, yeah, they can, I, they can join Louisiana tech in the Southland. So, well, then, you know, then I think our friends up in Russell would say no to the Southland and be left with, you know, I don't know. It's, it's fascinating. Well, I can tell you, I hope San Mar uh, Texas state doesn't go anywhere. I love the trip to San Marcos, uh, whether it be baseball, basketball, or anything else. I love going out to the salt lake. I love going out to some other places out there. I spent a year in Austin. So I know the, uh, the area very well and i love it i i'm sure jay has told you about this but uh, our trip to salt lake um for football know, stayed in, for football we stayed in round rock and so we went to the salt lake uh that, that's in round rock and my goodness yeah. what a uh what a treat uh we will have to bring you out to the original one at some point uh yes no, there's just, no doubt but at the same time it's the same people and i agree and if you're out there for for baseball the, the, the baseball field is right next oh, to that. the school part, right? It's in the parking lot of the Del Diamond, yeah. uh, which is the uh, AAA home with the Texas Rangers, which is where the Cajuns will, I believe, open up the 2022 campaign. Not open up. We open up against Cal Irvine, but it's the next week. There you go. See? So, well, Cody, uh, you're, li you're listening to We're Talking with Craig Malonso and Cody Juno. Cody, any last words of wisdom you want to give with anything, whether it be Sunbelt Conference football this week or what we need to look out as far as conference realignment because i think everything's moving i agree with you the americans going to make their move but at a certain point uab i've got to believe has got to say shit or get off the pot because the sunbelt might be looking better to them Just um no I, I see i don't believe that at all i believe that they're going to hold out they fit the americans bill they fit the urban campus brand new football stadium in fact that they're opening up this week um so i think they will they will sit on the pot uh for a while whether they okay. constipate it whether they they let it out you know and, and it just starts rolling or not they're going to hang out on the pot until uh, until uncle mike gives them a gives them a ring um you know but no i think the reality is it's everybody's in a holding pattern until the american can figure out what it's going to do and, and you know what's interesting is we've seen a lot of kickback from vocal kickback the communities of Colorado State and Air Force. Um, and so do they take that into consideration? And does that blow a hole in what the Americans' plans are? And if it does, how does the American recuperate, right? And and so uh, that's fascinating, right? I can give you this whole theory I have built up of how all of a sudden the Mountain West decides to be a basketball league and they go up there Gonzaga and Wichita State, you know, and now what does the West Coast Conference do? And 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 so uh, there's so many potential moving parts here, uh, but I don't think we, we, we know any of it for sure until the American decides who it's going to target. And I think our thought is you've got those two from the West, UAB, and then I think the next fourth team would most likely be Charlotte, potentially FAU, but probably Charlotte. All right, quick question then. All right, so you didn't bring up Army, which I don't. I think Army's a non-starter because there's absolutely no reason to have Army and the Navy in, in the same league because they make enough money off the Army-Navy game, uh, and, and it's played after. Uh, no, no, no. See, it makes all the sense in the world for a league. It doesn't yeah. make sense for the academies. That's yes. Right. It makes all the sense in the world for any league if you can get all three of those because. What those three are on their own is mega 
brands, right? Lifestyle brands. Um, it's the United States Naval Academy, right? It's, it's, you know, it's West Point, right? It's the United States Air Force Academy. And, and so, um, you know, having those teams come to, you know, Cajun Field on a yearly basis, oh. right? Like that's going to mean something anytime one of those three institutions come can play. And so it makes a ton of sense from a league standpoint. Doesn't make a lot of sense from an institution standpoint, right? Um, outside of of football, right? Army and Navy are in the Patriot League, right? They they right. play together out there. Colorado State, because or excuse me, Air Force, because of where it is in Colorado, uh, it's not necessarily aligned with them, uh, and, and it's geographically forced to be in, in the Mountain West. But yeah, it just it, it it doesn't make any sense for me if I'm Army to to give up my independent status in football. Any, anybody to, to will then, schedule to Army then leave a bus league for every other sport. Right. No, I, I agree with you. And one thing that I've always said that, you know, uh, and I know we don't have a national brand per se, but at the same time, I would love to, uh, I would love to play Navy in New Orleans because of the Naval support uh, station there. And I think that would be a great game because it's a local Louisiana team playing in New Orleans. And I think you could draw well there. So, but interesting concept. I, you know, I, one of the things that I last one here on the personal bucket, I need to get to Annapolis. I need to get to West yep. Point and need to get to Colorado Springs and I need to get to the army. Navy game. And I was going to say, I need to get to Philadelphia from the army Navy game. So, well, Cody, thank you so much. One last time, uh, collegead.com. And I think I got it right. Congratulations. Uh, you're on Kevin Foote's show on Wednesday from 9.15 to 9.45 approximately uh, during the week on 103.7 The Game. Uh, today was brought to you by uh, KDN Religious Store, Store in the South College Park and Shopping Center. Uh, go out there and see for all your needs, whether it's graduation, first communion, or a baptism, or anything you need at all. They will soon have a section of UL gear, that uh, not gear necessarily, but glassware and things like that that you can buy. So. Acadian Religious Forward for all your shopping needs as Art Garrett sits here, the owner of Acadian Religious, and has been listening to our. So, Cody, thank you so much. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll be able to get you on more if you're available, and we'll talk more college football. Great information yeah. tonight. Thank you. Anytime, Craig. Enjoyed it. Just uh, let me know. Yeah, we need to talk about those stupid Astros soon, too. We need to do a baseball show that we've been talking about for six months now. I mean, walk-off walks are great, but yeah, um, you know, I, I'm starting to hang out with Kevin too much and becoming really pessimistic about the uh, about the postseason. Ah, uh, but wait, all right, real quick, here we go. And I know you hate this team, but how about what the St. Louis Cardinals are having to do just to face the hundred win Dodgers in a single play-in game, and the winner of that then gets to face the hundred win Giants. Here's the thing about it: I don't hate the Cardinals. I hate the Braves. I'm hoping the Phillies come back and knock the Braves out of there. What a dog baby division that is, huh? Yeah. I, I, I hate I hate the Cubs and I hate the Braves. Those are the two teams that I hate the most. So anybody else, I, I don't hate the Cardinals. My first baseball game that I actually remember was the Cardinals. So, all right, Cody. Well, thank you, man. I got Chris Lano coming up. I need to get a recording on with him because he's freaking out because it's going to be past his bedtime. It's past my bedtime as we speak, so don't worry about it. 
All right. Thank you very much. Cody Juno tonight with us on We're Talking. We'll talk to you all later.